your best smile and meet us here at Cedar Elm campus at 8.30 a.m. to help make a difference in our city. If you have any questions, head to our welcome home table. That's what's happening at City Hope. Enjoy the rest of service. be a church today. Anybody glad to be in God's house? Come on, can we give Jesus the best praise? He's worthy of it all. Amen. Aren't you glad to be in God's house? I'm so thankful to be in church with you and to everybody who's online as well, everybody on the other side of the camera uh, from coast to coast. I love it. Uh, uh, from, from California all the way to uh, um, to New York. In fact, there's a lady who watches every week from New York, but she was here this week visiting her family, so she got to be in person in the room with us in the first service. Come on, let's give it up for everybody who's on the other side of the camera today. Glad that you're part of our church family. And to everybody in the room, so glad that you're with us today. And we're in week three of a series that we're calling Generosity Unleashed. We're talking about living in the overflow, living in, the, in all that God has for us. And before I get going, I wanted to share a couple of stories. Last week, we had Pastor Andy Heiss in the house from Desperation Church in Alabama. Come on, Pastor Andy. We had a lot of fun last week. It was, it was a lot of fun. We laughed. It was good. It was good. But I had two stories I wanted to share because in his message, he says, hey, in terms of generosity, sometimes you just have to start somewhere. You just have to start and he encouraged people to do that and um, came across this um, giving envelope. I won't tell you the person's name, but he's a 25-year-old man who, um, who this is what he said. He, he gave a dollar in the offering last week, and he says, this is all the cash I had on hand, but I want to start giving more. This is the first time I have done this because this church is helping me find God. Come on, somebody. Let's just give God thanks for the sacrifice. Is sacrifice. It may not seem like a much, like like much, like it's just a dollar, but maybe that was all he had. And he said, God, I'm giving you all I've got today because you've been so good to me. It's not about amount, it's about sacrifice, right? And and then we came across this one. Uh, we have a closed Facebook group for our dream team, those who serve on the dream team. And this person posted in there, we don't know, uh, anonymous, but Sunday I gave the only $10 I had, not knowing where my rent was coming from. Well, today, I had enough to pay my rent. Look at God showing off. Come on, can we just give God thanks that he, he hears, he knows what we need. And it's not about amount, it's about equal sacrifice, it's about being obedient and walking in what God has asked us to do. Amen, everybody? So our theme verse for this series comes from the book of Proverbs. It's written in large part by Solomon, and he says a generous person is the one that prospers. So not the lazy not the greedy, not the person who keeps it to, close to their vest, but it's the generous person who prospers. And whoever refreshes others, what's going to happen to them? They're going to be refreshed. They're going to get some refreshing. How many of you would like some refreshing, right? That, that's, man, I, so the, the key is walk in generosity. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that today. And, and here's the thing. I want to remind you, we don't do this series because we need you to give. In fact, like we're, do, we're doing well but, but you need it more than we need it. 
you need it as a person, as an individual, as a family more than the church needs it because when you start walking in all that God has for you, you can't help but be blessed. And I'm not talking about just monetarily. I'm talking about with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How about some of that in your life, right? We'd all want a little bit of that. So our goal for this is that if you can trust God with your money, you can trust him with everything else. Because, you know, we play about a lot of things. Pastor Ben, I, I, I play about a lot of things, but I don't play about my money. <laughs> we don't play about money, right? So here's our goal for this series is this. In your notes, that generosity unreached where you haven't gotten to yet, what you haven't been able to accomplish, maybe some, some steps that you haven't gotten to yet in your generosity journey, what's unreached would become generosity unleashed, that God would do a work in our hearts and in all of our hearts that wherever you are now, you would just take a step closer to where God wants you to be. Are you, are you up for the challenge? All right. I'm up for it. So I want to see you living in that overflow, living in the best that God has for you. So to recap where we've been, week one, we talked about how it's all about the heart. So this is a heart matter. We talked about greed, grudge, those are reasons, some of the reasons why we don't give. We need God to work on our heart in that, in that area. Last week, Pastor Andy talked about just some reasons why people don't give, and that was pretty fun. Next week, I'm going to get really, really practical, and we're going to talk about something. So, so one of the most common reasons people would say they, they, don't, they can't be generous is because they can't afford to. So we're going to get really practical next week, and we're going to talk about acting your wage. It's time, it's time to act your wage. Some, uh, most Americans are spending about 120% of their income, $1.20 for every dollar they make. How many of you know that's not sustainable? We live in a very consumption-oriented society, so we're just going to talk about how do we live not at our means but below our means so that we can do what God has called us to do. I knew that wouldn't be popular. And y'all, y'all, probably some of y'all won't show up next week because you'll be like, yeah, I missed that week, so it doesn't apply to me. Right? <laughs> Come back anyway. It's going to be good. It's going to be helpful. All right? But today, we're going to talk about the, the question that I used to ask when I was in high school. Now, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? But I did graduate in the top 10% of the lower third of my class. So... <laughs> So, so I'm, pre- I'm, I'm good, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm good there. I, I've got some schooling, right? Now, the question I want to talk about today is the question I asked in high school, which was, what test? What test? What test? All right, did you know that every time you receive an income, every time you receive uh, a paycheck, every time there's an increase in your income, you take a test? And the test is, who are you going to thank for what you just received? Who are you going to thank? And, and here's the thing. You know who you thank first by the first transaction. So some people thank the mortgage company first. Some people thank Visa, Amex, MasterCard, City, Chase, Capital One. What's in your wallet? Right? They, they think all, thank all of those people. But let me tell you that none of those organizations or companies, none of them have the power to bless your life. 
Only God has the power to bless your life. So we're going to take a look at one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible about giving, about tithing specifically. And, and we're going to study a little, we're going to study today about tithing. What is this? Why does God want us to do it? Okay. And so if you've got your notes or you've got your Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Malachi. Just kidding. It's a, the book of Malachi. <laughs> Y'all were like, what? I'm not familiar with that book. It's the book of Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3, you got, you've probably heard it, you've probably prayed it, you've probably asked God for this blessing, but let me walk you through this passage of scripture as it relates to God's blessing and the generosity unleashed for our lives, all right? Here it is, Malachi 3, 6 through 12 says, I, the Lord, do not change. I want you to remember that. He's the same yesterday, today, and Forever. So yesterday, today, right now, and forever. So well, Pastor Ben, I don't have to be generous because that's Old Testament. Well, then, then he's not the God of today then. He's only the God of yesterday. Right? We'll get, we'll get there. So the God, he's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. What he's saying to them is, hey, guys, you, I have been wooing you. I have been trying to... To, to work with you. I've been giving you commands and I, I have been, I've, I've told you what, what I want. I've, I've tried to bless you and you just keep running away from me. And it's making me a little frustrated, God says. You, you should be glad because that, that I don't change because I would like to smite you, right? You ever, you ever want to smite somebody? Smite them, right? So ever since the time of your ancestors, you've You've turned away from my decrees. I want you to notice that word decree there. It is uh, another word for that. In the New King James Version would say an ordinance. You've turned away from my ordinances. Now, an ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior. We have ordinances in our city. You have ordinances in your neighborhood. That's why you get a letter from the city every once in a while if your grass is too long. Right? You broke the code. You violated the ordinance. So God's word is, is full of some ordinances. There are some ordinary behaviors that God would expect of his children, people who, who are believers in the faith. And he says, you've turned away from them. You've walked away from these ordinary behaviors. You've not kept them. But come back. I want to give you a chance. Come back to me. And return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, what do you mean return? How, how are we uh, supposed to return? And God says, will a mere mortal rob God? And we, when we see that word rob, we often think, think of like the, uh, somebody in a ski mask. They, they're armed with a weapon. And, and it's, it's like this kind of violent takeover, this vi violent robbery. But I want you to think more of embezzlement. Will a mere mortal embezzle money from me? See, that's something that can happen under the table that you don't really, you don't really know is happening. And he, God says, yet you are robbing me. You are, you're taking some things. You're not living up to this ordinary behavior. And you ask, what are you talking about robbing you? How are we robbing you? And he says, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. You, you haven't been faithful in this ordinance, this behavior. And because of that, you're under a curse. And that seems pretty heavy right? Like, that's, man, I'm under a curse. Wow. Not only you, but the whole nation, because you are 
not living out this ordinary behavior. So here's the solution. God gives it in the same passage. He says, bring the whole tithe. So not just part, not just a little bit. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is representative of the church, the modern day church, that there may be food in my house. And we're not just talking about, in those days, it was feeding the priest. It was taking care of all of those who served in the house of God. Uh, but it also represented spiritual food in the house. And how many of you know that what you give here doesn't just keep the lights on or help missions in a foreign country, but it's also providing spiritual food in the house where you come on Sunday mornings. That's part of it. So there may be food in my house. But God says, the one place that you can test him is here. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates, not a window, or as we said, when I, when I grew up in East Tennessee, lived in Alabama for about 15 years, it's not window, it's winder. In fact, there was an old song, I grew up in church, and there was an old song that we used to sing, it went like this, it was, there's a light in the winder, the table's spread with splendor, not even close to rhyming words, right, but they... They made it work. They made it work. Um, so I'm not just going to open a window for you. I'm not just, it's not just going to be this little, this, this, this little, uh, little pipeline. No, I want to open the floodgates into your life. I want to pour such a blessing that you can't contain it. There's not room enough to store it. And I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all nations will call you blessed. There people in your neighborhood, people in your school, in your workplace will say, man, there's something about that person. God's working. Man, there's, there's something about them that, that draws me to them. And not just monetarily, but in so many different ways. They're blessed. And yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. So here's the thing. Nobody wants a cursed life, right? But in order to have a blessed life or a life that has... That, that is full of generosity, that's unleashed in our lives, there, there is some ordinary behaviors that we have to have, and, and tithing is one of those. One of God's ordinary principles is return to him what belongs to him. And so today I want to show you three truths about the tithe, okay? And there's no reason why you should be wiggling in your seat or getting uncomfortable because I don't know, all right? So, so here we go. We're going to talk about this today, three truths about tithing. And we're going to have some fun along the way, all right? Number one is this. In your notes, tithing's a test. It's a test. You get to test God in this, but here's the, here's the thing. God also gets to test you. The tithe is a test. So the word tithe simply means a tenth part, 10%. The reason why God makes it 10% is it's because it's equal sacrifice for every person. So whether you make $100 a month or $10,000 a month, the principle is the same. The interest, the, the, uh, the print percentage is the same. You are giving an equal sacrifice, not an equal amount. Does that make sense to you? And so all throughout the Bible, the word, uh, the, the number 10 represents testing. All throughout Scripture, it's a test. When you see the, the number 10, it represents a test. And so I'm going to give you a test. Give you a little test right here. And as I go through this test, we're talking about testing the number 10. Just uh, 
just put two and two together, the answer might be that, okay? All right, so let me, let me give you some questions here, and I need you to respond. I need you to shout it out, okay? So how many plagues were there in Egypt? Okay, that was, that was lame. All right, we're going to try it again. Try it again. Uh, ten. All right, ten, ten. We're going like that. All right, how many, how many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. ten. Yeah. How many commandments are there? Ten. ten. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. ten. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. ten. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten. ten. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten. ten. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? Ten. ten. How many disciples are there? Twelve. Twelve. Test. It's test, right? No pass or fail on that one. It's okay. It's okay. It's just for fun. There's, there's 12 disciples. But uh, we get the point. A lot of testing all throughout the scripture, right? God tests our hearts with the tithe, and we get to test him with the tithe. It's a test both ways. So uh, this passage of scripture in Malachi 3 it's simple to me. It's simple. If I obey, I'm blessed. If I, if I tithe, I'm blessed. If I don't, I'm what? Cursed. cursed. So blessing or cursing. Blessed or cursed. And I feel like Forrest Gump sometimes. Like, I'm, I'm not a smart man. But I want to be blessed. I, I, I want the blessing. I want, I want God's best for me, but it comes when... I walk in obedience to this ordinary behavior. So there's a couple misconceptions about tithing. One of those is that it was that Jesus died to pay for the curse, right? That Jesus paid for the curse. He bore the curse of the law on the cross. And so therefore, Pastor Ben, I'm no longer under the curse. Booyah, got you. Right, I hear you, but listen. Jesus also bore sin on the cross. And do you still sin? Mm. Jesus, he bore sickness on the cross. And do we still get sick? Yeah, we do. So, so I, I hear what you're saying, but, but a lot of times we say things like that because it, it just plays into our favor. It's just, it just helps us in our, in our own feelings. Another thing, another misconception is that tithing was part of the law. And so because it was the law, Pastor Ben, you know, we're under grace now. Thank God for grace. Praise God for grace. This grace is amazing. We get to walk in the grace of God. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Um, but so was murder. Murder was part of the law. Adultery was part of the law. Stealing was part of the law, but, but I guess because we're under grace now, praise God, we get to just do whatever we want to do, right? Hey, you got a wallet on you? Can I, can I see your wallet? Let's see your wallet. Just borrow, just borrow it from Thank you. <laughs> Mine now, baby. Mine. We, 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 this is grace. This is my, it's good stuff. I like this. It's nice. Now, that's ridiculous, right? Nobody would really think that. But we, we often make those kind of statements when it comes to maybe misunderstanding about the Scripture. Um, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He said himself, I came to fulfill it. I, I came to 
make it complete. And he even took it up a notch. And he said, hey, it's not even just about you committing adultery anymore. It's about the fact that you're looking at, at the person of the opposite sex lustfully. And that's a problem. That's, that's, you've already done it in your heart, he says. And so he, he takes it to a new level. So that's the first thing. It's a test. We get to test God, but also he's testing us. Does this make sense to you? All right, here's the second thing. Number two, tithing is biblical. It's biblical. So a lot of people who don't tithe, um, they, would, they would say, it's, well, it's, maybe it's Old Testament, maybe, you know, it's under the curse, Jesus broke the curse, but some people would say it's just not biblical. You can't really build a biblical case for tithing. And I want to just show you that you can, that it's not something that, you know, preachers make up because we need you to give to the church. It's not that at all. It's an ordinary principle of behavior that happened 430 years before the law, in the law, and after the law, okay? So let's take a look at that. This is Genesis chapter 14, 430 years before the Mosaic law ever came to being. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was priest of God most high. Now, Melchizedek here there's like no trace of him in, in human history. Some theologians believe that he perhaps was Jesus Christ incarnate before he ever came to, to earth. In the same way that Jesus showed up in the lion's den. I'm sorry, not the lion's den, but in the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel. Remember that? The fourth walking around. Some believe that this was Jesus in the Old Testament. There's no trace of him in human history, of Melchizedek. And so he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, God bless you, Abram. Creator, uh, uh, blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then, as a result of this blessing in his life, Abram gave him a tenth, 10% back to God. He gave it to God. Now, that's 430 years before, one of the first instances. You could say... That the tithe shows up even as early as, as Cain and Abel. You could, you could say that if you wanted to go research that, that, that they gave um, first fruits. All right, Genesis 28, 22, this is 400 years before the Mosaic Law. This is Jacob. Jacob is wrestling with God, and after all of this, he sets up this stone. He says, This stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will. Give a tenth of all that you will give, not what you have given, but what, what you give and get, will give and continue to give. I'm going to return it back to you. I'm going to give you a tenth. So that's 400 years before the law. Let me show you in the law. This is one of those books that we might read to go to sleep at night, right? Just kind of Leviticus. It's like stuff we don't understand sometimes. But right in the middle of it, in chapter 27, it says a tithe of everything from the land, whether it's grain or um, fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 26 says, when you've entered the land that the Lord your God's giving you as an inheritance, and you've taken possession of it, and you've settled in it, notice that God gave it to you. you didn't, we didn't earn it. It wasn't that I worked hard for this. This is my money. This is what I worked hard for. I'll do what I want to with it. No, it came from who? God. God gave it to us. And when, when you realize that, that the Lord gave it to you, it's a whole lot easier to, to steward it. 
that it wasn't ours in the first place. So you take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land, this, this land that the Lord your God's giving you, and you put them in a basket. And then go to the place, go to the place. That's the storehouse. That's where the temple of the Lord is going to be. That I'll show you, I'll choose it, and I'll show it to you. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion. I've set apart this first fruits. I've set apart this first part of my income, and I've given it to the Levite, to the foreigner, to the fatherless, to the widow. I've, I've been a blessing. I've used it wisely. I've, I've not kept it to myself. I have, re- I have turned aside from, um, I've not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean. I didn't use it for sinful purposes. I didn't hold it back. I, I didn't hold on to it for a rainy day. No, I gave it to you. I've, I've given it to the Lord. And I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything that you have commanded me. And then he says, look down from heaven. All right, God, because I've been faithful in this, because I have been obedient to bring this tithe to you, would you look down from heaven, your holy dwelling, and would you bless your people? So remember, we don't give to get, do we? That's the wrong motivation. We talked about that week one. It's the wrong motivation. We don't give to get. We get to give. But I want you to notice that every time you step into this obedience, every time you live out this ordinary behavior in God's kingdom, there is a blessing that comes with that. Can you receive that today? Can, can you receive that? So a lot of people say, well, uh, Brother Ben, all that's Old Testament. That's just Old Testament stuff. Ain't nothing in there from Jesus. Okay. Or if Jesus, if Jesus said we should give, should tithe, would we? I mean, if Jesus himself came down and said, you should tithe, would you tithe? Yeah. So let me show it to you. It's kind of a trick question. All right. Um, Matthew 23 says, what do you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? Okay, hypocrites, somebody who says one thing, acts another way. They say one thing, they live another way. Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees. You give a tenth of your spices. In other words, you're tithing down to the spices that you have. Like, you're, like you get down to the scents, the mint, the dill, and the cumin. You, you tithe on those things, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, which are justice, mercy, and faithfulness. See? See, Pastor Ben, that's it. This is more important than tithing. Jesus said so himself, and he did. He said that the way we treat other people, the way we take care of the widows, the orphans, all of those kinds of things, that's, that's super, super, super important. But I want you to notice something. that He says you, you should do that. You should have justice. You should have mercy. You should be faithful, but you should also tithe. He says practice the latter without neglecting the former. And so he's just saying, hey, do both. Because actually, you'll be able to do more justice. You'll be able to show more mercy when the church has everything they need to do what they've been called to do. Amen, Amen everybody? So, so let's, let's go one more place. Hebrews. Hebrews. I'm just showing you that it's biblical. Hebrews chapter 7. 
it says that here on earth, mere mortal men, mortal men receive tithes. So me and you, right? We put our offering in the container as it passes by. We give online, right? It, it, gets, it gets deposited in the checking account, and it's used to do ministry across the world. It's used to pay light bills. It's used to help do benevolence in our communities. So many ways that it's used. Mortal men receive it here on earth. But I want you to notice this. But there, he receives them. Now, it's talking about Melchizedek, that same man that we read about in Genesis. It's talking about Melchizedek. There in heaven, he receives them. Melchizedek is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. There he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So here's what I'm trying to say today is that when you give, when you put your offering in the container, when you give online, when you do stock or crypto or whatever, however you give to the house of God, it is received by mortal men here. But I want you to understand that even more than that, it is received by Jesus Christ himself in heaven. He receives it on your behalf and he says, thank you for your generosity, for making a difference in the kingdom of God. It's, in, it's powerful. That's why we say you're not just giving to a church, but you're giving through the church. You're giving through the local church, and Jesus receives it. Here's number three. Tithing is a blessing. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. So um, there's only two testimonies that I hear when it comes to this topic. The first testimony I hear is... I can't afford to. And I, I would love to, Pastor Ben. Everything you're saying is, is great. I, I just cannot afford it. That's the first testimony I hear. So next week's message is geared all about how do, we, how do we get there? How do we get to that point, right? How do we manage our finances differently? How do we quit spending more than we take in? But the other testimony I hear, number two, is this. I can't afford not to. So one testimony is I can't afford to. The other one is I can't afford not to. We actually talked about it in our men's small group this week. Some, a couple different men who just said, hey, look, we, we can't afford not to. It's like every time we, we give, it comes right back to us. I can't afford not to. So let me, let me teach you something that may be hard for you to understand, but You'll never be able to afford to give until you start to give. It's what breaks the curse. Because God says in Malachi, return to the Lord the whole tithe and see, test me in this, see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven over your life. That's what breaks the curse. You'll never be able to afford to have kids until you start having kids. You know what I'm saying? You'll never be able to afford to get married until you get married. You'll always have that excuse. I'll never be able to afford this until you start to do it. It breaks the curse. And I'm going to show it to you in the book of 2 Chronicles 31. 31. This is a story of Hezekiah. So Hezekiah is king. And they've just had this amazing Passover celebration. God's moving. There's like a mighty revival happening in Israel. It's awesome. But also at the same time, the, the house of God is not well taken care of, okay? So 
The king, Hezekiah, orders the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion, that's the, the first fruits. So, so if, you have, if you have $1 and you have 10 dimes, which dime should you give to God first? The first one. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You give the first one. That's the first fruit. <laughs> that's the simplest I can make. That's the way we teach our boys. We, we pay them in dimes. Which, one, which one's the first one? This one. Which one belongs to God? This one. So you bring the first, the best, to God. Give the portion to the priests, to the Levites, so that they can devote themselves to the law of the Lord. And so as soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, all that the fields produced. And they brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. So it's 10% that they're bringing. All of Israel... All of the people are doing this. And again, it's 10%, so it's not just one person taking care of the rest. In fact, in most churches, it's about 20% of the people who are covering about 80% of the budget nationwide. And so when everybody does it, it makes a huge difference. Watch this. Um, they brought the tithe of their herds and their flocks and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God and they piled them in heaps. It was so much. There was so much going on that they, it wasn't just a, a, a little mound. It was heaps of stuff that they were piling up and they began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord. They gave a shout out to God. God, you've been good. You've blessed your people. And Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Hey, what's this all about? Like, why, are they, why is there so much stuff? Are the, are the people okay? Have they given too much? Like, how are they doing? And the priest said, since the people began bringing their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we've had enough. Like, we, we, we haven't lacked anything. We've had enough, and there's been plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people. In other words, king, if you think this is something, you should walk the streets and see how God has blessed every house and that they are taken care of and that they have more than enough. It's not just the house of God that has more than enough. The people of God have more than enough. And this great amount that you see is what is left over. So, I love that. I love it. Um, give, give me some closing music because I... Feel like I could just keep going and I don't think you want that I think you're ready for this to end so um, what what if uh, could could you imagine with me imagine if the house of God if if the churches of God had everything that they need and I'm not just talking about city hope but imagine what the body of Christ could do if every believer brought their first and best imagine the advancement of the gospel right now the world is in desperate need of missionaries America used to be the one of the number one sending agents of missions right now we need about 200,000 more missionaries in the field imagine what we could do if if the churches were supplied and we could just write checks to get people in the mission field come on Imagine what we could do if we could accelerate the Bible translation around the world. That those 3,500 languages that still don't have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Imagine what we could do if every church 
had what they needed. Imagine the impact that churches could make. Imagine if heaps begin to pile up and we could just meet the needs of people in our community around the world, plant churches. It'd be pretty awesome. So, we are the bride of Christ, right? The church is the bride of Christ. Do you agree with that? Yeah. The church is the bride of Christ. I want you to imagine this with me. Um, imagine that I'm, I'm going off for a season. I've got to go on a mission. God has called me specifically somewhere else. I'm coming back. I don't know when I'm coming back, but I am coming back. But while I'm gone, I need some people to take care of my wife. And so what I do is, is I say, okay, um, I'm going to get a couple guys. I'm going to get some people. I'm going to get the believers. I'm going to ask them to take care of my wife while I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I, need, I need Steve. All right. I, I need Jeremy. And I need Blake. I'm going to give you all $10,000 a month. How many of y'all, who else wants in on that deal? Just 10, 10 grand a month. I'll, I'll take it, right? I'm going to give you all $10,000 a month. But now here's the thing. I need each of you. All I need from you is to give my wife $1,000 a month. That's it. You can spend the rest however you want to spend it. You can do whatever you want to do with it. But I'm just asking you to give her $1,000 a month. Care for her. Make sure she's taken care of. Can you do it? We got you, Pastor. We good. We good. Okay, I go, I go away. I'm gone. I don't know when I'm coming back, but I'm, I'm, I'm gone. And I call Annalise. I say, hey, how's it going? How are you? Oh, we're doing, doing well. Hey, are the, are the guys... Are they taking care of you? You know, it, it, it's amazing. God's been so good to us. You know, we got uh, Steve every month like clockwork. He gives $1,000. I mean, it's there. Never have to worry about it. Blake, give him $2,000 a month. What? $2,000? I just asked him for $1,000. I know. But he's gone above and beyond. He's given $2,000 a month. Wow. Wait, what about Jeremy? Well, Jeremy, he only gave 500 the first month, and then, and then 200 the second month, and I hadn't seen anything from him in the last six months. What? What do you think I'm going to do with Jeremy's money? I ain't thinking to give him any more, right? Okay, okay. Hey, Jeremy, here's the deal. I'm going to take what I've been giving you. I'm giving it to Blake because Blake's faithful. Blake's going above and beyond. I can trust Blake. I can trust Steve with what I've given them. And so I'm going to redistribute that to the people who will take care of my wife. In case you haven't gotten it, Jesus has gone away. And he is coming back. We don't know when he's coming back, but he's coming back. And for everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ, who calls him Lord... There, there's this ordinary behavior that we just give God the first and the best of our life. It's why we do first Wednesday. It's why we do first Saturday serve. It's why we do, we, we bring our tithe to the Lord on the first Sunday of the month. It's, it's a principle more than just a percentage. It's a principle that we give God the first and the best of every part of our life. And Jesus is coming back and he says, hey, I want you to take care of my bride. And I'm going to bless those of you who do. I'm going to bless those of you who, who go above and beyond. I'm going to give you even more. But to those who refuse to take care of my bride, I'm going to take what I've given you and give it to somebody else. 
that's, those are parables for another day that Jesus taught about. And so I just wondered if we could close up today to, to ask the question, what if we pretended the Bible was real today? What, what if we pretended that this Word of God is true and we took Jesus at His Word and we tested Him in, tested him in this? And we just said, okay, God, we're going to see if this is real. We're going to see if this is real. And I'm not asking anything from you today. I don't want you to make any decision out of pressure or compulsion. But you take that before the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit what He's speaking to you today. What He wants you to do. What's your response to this message today? Can we give God thanks for the, for the Word? And even though it might be challenging for us. Yeah. Just bow your heads, close your eyes, and let me just uh, close us in prayer today. Ask the Holy Spirit what He's speaking to you. And maybe for some of you, uh, your next step is to be faithful in giving somehow. Maybe it's to take a challenge that I'm, I'm going to begin giving. I'm, I'm, wherever you're at, you're going to take a next step. That's between you and the Lord. You ask God what He wants you to do. Be obedient to that. But for others of you in the room today, I want to be really clear and let you know that the last thing God wants from you is not your money. He wants your heart. There's some of you in the room today, you're far from God. You're distant. You've been doing life your way. You've been calling the shots. You've been in charge of your life. And you feel the weight of your sin. You feel the weight of guilt, condemnation, shame. And, and I don't know who you are, and I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm here to tell you today that God loved you so much. He was so generous that he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Not so that he could have your money, but he could have your heart. He wants a relationship with you today. And if you're here, you're far from God. You feel the weight of your past and the guilt, the shame, condemnation. You're ready to give your life to Christ. You're ready to make a fresh start today. You're ready to surrender completely to him. On the count of three, I want you to boldly... Lift up your hand. If that's you, one, two, three. Come on, slip up your hand and let me pray for you. I see you. One, two, three, four, five, six. Anybody else would say, that's me, Ben. I'm going on in seven. Anyone else? I'm giving, I'm giving Jesus my whole life. I'm surrendering to him today. My heart, soul, mind, strength. I surrender. My life is his. I belong to him. I'm giving him everything. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being in charge. I want him to lead me and guide me. Anybody else? See you. God bless you. I see you up top. All right, here's what I want us to do. Pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of surrender. Let's pray this together with all courage, with all, all boldness. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I'm sorry for doing things my way. I repent and I turn. I'm running to you, asking you to forgive me, to cleanse me, wash me, make me new. From this day forward, I choose to serve you, to live for you the best that I know how. Thank you for being my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. In Jesus' name. 